Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. It's Friday, February 25th, 2022. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me. And please note, the Ion College Basketball Podcast is presented by Jersey Mike's, which is a proud sponsor, the Naismith Award. Jersey Mike's would like to offer congratulations to all of this season's uh, players on the Naismith watch list, and we're going to get to that watch list in just a little bit. If you're watching on YouTube, please smash the button like your Brandon Davies. Hit that like button. It's right in front of you. It doesn't cost you. You're not risking anything. You have consent. Smash the like button. And while you're here, please, if you haven't already, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It matters. Help us out with that. We thank you in advance. All right, dead leg. Ohio State got a big win last night at Illinois. Brad Underwood got ejected, lost his mind, completely lost his mind. Two nights after Dan Hurley got ejected, four nights after Jawan Howard hit a Wisconsin assistant. Question for you as we get going on this Friday. Are college basketball coaches the craziest of all coaches? Do they lose their minds more often than any other coaches in American sports? Let's roll through it. NBA coaches see to the players. When's the last time you saw an NBA coach lose his mind? Can you actually conjure the image in your head? Because I can, and I don't know if it's happened since. I can I can tell you. And it wasn't even the coach at fault. Last time you can imagine an NBA coach involved in a situation that was abnormal. What springs to mind? Nothing. Jeff Van Gundy clinging to a couple of ankles. Well, that's a million years, a million exactly. years ago. Exactly. Has like, been college a bas- like college basketball coaches, they're constantly yelling at their players, constantly yelling at the rest. NBA coaches do not yell at players, really. Like you just, you can't go there. Like that was among the reasons. And I think John Calipari would tell you this, that, that he had a, a um, that he didn't last too long in the NBA. You know, he coached NBA players like he coached college players. And you cannot be running around yelling at NBA players. So they're constantly yelling at NBA uh, at their players, college basketball coaches, constantly yelling at the rest, constantly losing their mind. I think college basketball coaches really might be the, the craziest coaches we have. Well, NHL coaches look like they look like diplomats. I I can't I can't even think of an image where an NHL coach publicly goes after the officials. But those dudes are on skates all the time. I mean, they're just like see ya. So uh, that's not the case. Uh, baseball lose their mind. They look ridiculous, though, by the way. No one looks more ridiculous than Major League Baseball managers in the uniforms getting out. And that's also because, and I didn't bring this up on the previous episode with Kyle, but I thought about it. The most insufferable group of officials slash referees are Major League Baseball umpires. Completely haughty, holier than thou. I, I can't stand how MLB umpires just refuse to take anything. Don't you feel the same as an avid baseball fan? I feel like a lot of times, like umpires, they they get they make themselves way too much a part of the process. Agree or disagree? Baseball corner on a Friday morning in February. Well, you know, there's clear rules in baseball where you're not allowed to 
argue balls and strikes from the dugout. And managers do it all the time. And if you argue balls and strikes from the dugout, you are at risk of being run. Yes, umpires, um, I, I do think, um, get a little – yeah, they, they, they don't take it as much as they probably should on some level. But we, we always remember managers running out, you know, to the field and kicking dirt on the plate. But the reason we remember that um, as often as we do is because it's, it's such a big scene when it happens. It doesn't happen that often. Like these big manager um, umpire dust-ups confrontations, they don't happen as much as you probably think. In college basketball, I mean, just last weekend, we had John Calipari literally nose-to-nose yeah, with an official. Like there's, there's something – there, you could find a wild interaction between a college basketball coach and player or college basketball coach and referee basically every night of the season. Yeah, and some of that is inventory as well, but I agree. So here's the power ranking. College basketball, men's D1 coaches, Major League Baseball managers, college football coaches, and then NFL coaches, and then you get into probably – NHL, then NBA. It's weird how college men's D1 would be at the top and then NBA would be at the bottom. Uh, the only sport that maybe like truly could compare, although it's not a coach, it's a player, uh, is tennis players can really go after line judges. And and, yeah. and they can really, I mean, you, you actually literally had an incident, an incident in the past week where a guy was hucking his racket and, and making contact. Um, so, yeah, it, it didn't quite get the news and headlines of Juwan Howard, but uh but yeah, no. Oh, by the, by the way, two things can be true at the same time with this. And I do want to actually, I want to touch on Malachi Branham and Ohio State in a second, but we'll just talk about what, we're, what GP's leading off here. And by the way, if you're listening to the podcast and we sound different, uh, Parrish apparently has his phone. Something else got stolen. He's not using his typical mic and uh, he's not using his typical mic. So he's using AirPods. So that's why it might sound a little bit different today. Don't worry. We'll be back to normal on Sunday's episode. Um, two things no, we, we won't. We won't. We will not. No, because you don't have it. We will not be back to normal. Okay. I, I let, I let, usually in New York, I pack up everything after I get out of studio on Wednesday night so that on Thursday, everything's packed up except for, you know, like what I had to leave out overnight, you know, shaving bag and that kind of stuff. And when I get out of studio on Wednesday night, because I've been three straight days of time to shine, two straight nights of uh, inside college basketball and in studio. I just made a promise to myself. I said, you know what? When I get back to that room, I'm going to relax. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to work. I'm not going to pack. I'm going to, I'm going to like w watch something. You know, I'm just going to like let my mind rest. Let my, I'm just going to relax. And then of course you, you, you wake up Thursday and it's full go from the moment I wake up, you know, got to do the top 25 and one, got to prepare for radio, got to do radio. I, if you notice yesterday, we had a conference call scheduled for 4.15. I had to push it back to 4.30. And while we were on it, you and I, Strong Jaw, David Kahn, Great Marcus Nelson, whoever else was there. That was it. Uh, we that was we it. were all on video. You were on phone. Literally, as we're doing this, by the way, Paris is packing up. I almost muted you, but I was like, I don't know if I mute him. He can unmute himself. But as we're on this conference call, I can hear you zipping up your luggage. And it's like the noise is like just as loud as Marcus trying to talk on the conference call. I was like, oh, this guy's on our this guy's well, right now. OK, well, good. so you can see what happened, right? Yes. I forgot to grab the power supply for my podcasting equipment. And I noticed it about let's call it 30 minutes ago. So, hey, so life's hard, man. 
Are you going to get that same room when you go back? Doubt Do they it. have the room saved for you specifically? No. I, I mean, I get the same type of room. Okay. You usually get the same type of room, but uh, it's not in the – I doubt it be – I got to call them. Like, when we get done – Unless, unless you can handle the rest of the podcast by yourself, I got to wait until after we're done with this to call them and say, can you please find my power supply? Because if not, we got an issue. <laughs> Life's tough, man. Why is life? This is actually, you know what? I appreciate this. And the older listeners will appreciate this. This is almost like a throwback to like 2016 podcasting right now. The, the sound, you, you still sound good. And thank goodness for AirPods and all that stuff. But I wanted to at least explain it for anyone not watching that can't see. GP's got some. This must be the newest uh, iteration of those AirPods, by the way. That seems pretty small and sleek. So these are the newest ones, and like the fifth set that I've had. Boy, you think I can lose a phone? Don't get me started on AirPods. Always love low key GP. Uh, by the way, I'm cool enough to buy AirPods five times after I lose them. Nice stuff. Well, All right. Well, well, no, well, here, here's the deal. I don't want to buy them five times. I keep losing them, and then I go, you know what? I'm not buying anymore. And then, but if you travel a lot. They're so, particularly with masks, they're so convenient because with the wires, you've got to, you've got to take the, the uh, ear, 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 uh, you got to take the headphones out, put the mask back on with, when you're carrying a bag. These are so convenient for traveling, but also e very easy to lose. So I'm doing, I've got a set of AirPods that still show up on my like devices on my phone. They're in this house somewhere. I just don't have any idea where they're at, but they're here. They they're, they show on my phone that they're here. I don't know where they're at though. I'll find them someday, maybe. That's why I'm I'm always team cans, team cans. But I I do have earbuds as well. Anyway, okay. So two things can be true at once. Back on track. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we can we can look at this behavior in the in the big picture and be like, you know, college basketball coaches, you don't you're not making yourself look good. It's not making the sport look good. Or you can say. Brad Underwood getting thrown out of that game was objectively hilarious. Hilarious. Okay. He's not physically assaulting anyone. He's not breaking some code of handshake line etiquette, whatever. Coaches getting tossed from games is awesome. <laughs> Brad Underwood wanted to get thrown out. And so he gets thrown out. By the way, the way he got thrown out, like, I don't know if the call that he was just so ticked off on was really all that egregious, but whatever. And then the fact that he he just channels Dan Hurley immediately. He gets thrown out, <laughs> and then he starts waving his arms like a damn condor. I want this to be the new thing. I want this to come with every single ejection. Either it leads to the ejection, or after the ejection has happened, this is what you do every single time. Get him up. Let him go. Come on. The fact that he – I want to know if it was instinctual or if he was like, this is this is my ode to Dan Hurley right here. Right no, now. and that was definitely because of Dan. There's a hundred percent chance that was definitely because of Dan. He like he 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 it, it, like I hope it because if you get thrown out of a game as a college basketball coach, you must do the Dan Hurley. You got him, man. I was saying I was saying in the pot on Wednesday with with KB. I was I was losing it laughing on press row because the scene that Dan Hurley created, then he starts like, he's like, all right, I'll, I'll get back on track. Let's get the crowd pumped up. James Breeding gets all pissed off, kicks him out of the game. And uh, you have like, I, I looked over to my left and I saw a, a child who was definitely not yet of middle school age screaming, ref, you suck ref. Cause the entire arena was, and then I look up and it's like nine or 10 rows above him. I see, 
you know, Grandma Betsy saying the same thing mid-70s. It was awesome. And so then Illinois, an incredible scene last night. Underwood gets kicked out. And, yeah, they do lose it. It's also, you know, these coaches are, are high-strung as it is. And then you get to this time of the year, right before March, before the tournament, and you've got uh, sometimes just a dangerous chemical concoction, man. So, yeah, they do lose it more than anyone else. But, you know, it's also funny. Like, it, Brad Underwood getting kicked out of that game was, again, objectively entertaining, borderline hilarious. When, like, the whole hold him back, hold him back. You got the get back guy, hold him back. And then he finally gets the hook. He's out of there. And then, oh, by the way, Illinois, no, they almost win the game. They almost won the game. They were down. I got it in my notes here. They were down by 16 points with six minutes to go. They cut it to one. They, uh, this almost worked. That's kind of a foul. Usually when the coach gets kicked out, teams aren't rallying to win. Almost happened last night. Pretty cool. Tell, it to, tell that to UConn and Kamani Young. That's true. Although they were down four with 26 seconds to go. It's true. <laughs> Early got kicked out. Kamani Young did a great job there. But yeah, Ohio State got a uh, it got a good one. 86-83. How about Malachi Branham's numbers as of late? Tw- 31 points. 27 points. 22 points this past three at 31 on uh, Thursday night. He's averaging almost 1.5 points per shot and shooting 70% from the field. He is the Big Ten freshman of the year. He has been awesome. He has become the breakout guy, the clear uh, number two to EJ Liddell, who hit a smooth shot to kind of keep Ohio State with a little bit of a cushion with like a minute to go in that game. But Branham has been awesome. And oh, by the way, he's like a top 25 defender in the country. He's really, really good on both ends of the floor there. Um, So a nice win for Ohio State, which got down early, then roared back to a double-digit lead that it had for most of the second half. Then Underwood gets, gets yanked. Illinois rallied. You had uh, Alfonso Plummer had a good game. Trent Frazier had a couple of big shots. And then uh, after Kofi fouled out with four and a half to go, and I didn't like that fifth foul. I thought that was thought it was a bad call. Um, but Kofi didn't do a ton. He was I don't want to call him a non-entity, but he was not he was not one of the four or five most important players of this game. Um, Ohio State hangs on. Oh, by the way, after EJ Liddell apparently was like suffering from the flu or flu-like symptoms. So they weren't even sure if he was going to play. Had they not had him, Illinois wins the game, I think, because uh, he wound up being pretty, pretty big. And then Ohio State finally got a win over a legitimate team. It hadn't done that, Parrish, in like a month and a half, two months, beating a team that's projected to make it to the NCAA tournament or at least safely make it to the NCAA tournament. Uh, so they finally get that win. Illinois takes a home loss. It was a, it was a good scene on a, on a pretty good Thursday night. Earlier in the week after Illinois beat in – I mean, uh, Ohio State beat Indiana – um, I led the top 25 and one with the Buckeyes and made the point that, um, you know, it, it just sort of occurred to me, we haven't really talked about them as a basketball team much this season at all. Like why? It's a big brand. It's in the Big Ten. They've been ranked all year. What's interesting about Ohio State is that they have been since the second game this season ranked between 13th and 24th at Kempom. So they've been in that range where not quite great, but not bad. So not great enough to talk about, but not bad enough to talk about. Um, you know, no long winning streaks that make you pay attention. No long losing streaks that make you pay attention. How about this? This is still true as of this minute. Ohio State this season has never won more than two Big Ten games in a row mm. and has never lost two straight Big Ten games. So they just like win two, lose one, win two, lose. Like like we talk about Indiana because they go on a five-game losing streak. Or we talk about 
um, Arkansas because they go 12 and one in a 13 game stretch. You know, those are the types of things that typically get your attention. Big wins, big winning streaks, crazy losing streaks. And Ohio State's just been rock solid steady all season, which is great, but it 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 um it lacks the stuff that makes people, you know, pay attention and 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 point to point to them, which I guess is the latest example of Chris Holtman not getting the respect he deserves. He actually, and he got some respect on the previous pod as well. I can't remember what, what, but I did bring him up. I gave him a little bit of respect there. Yeah. And Ohio state, I do think Ohio state serves as a, with everything that you just said, uh, they could still be like a really valuable elite eight play in the tournament. We'll see how the bracket shakes out and all that. Here are the metrics. You mentioned that they've also gotten it's their results have also led them to be about as steady as any team, if not as steady as literally any team across team sheet metrics. Even Gonzaga, which is number one in the net and all predictives, Gonzaga is seventh in KPI and ninth in strength of record. Okay. How about Ohio State here? Floating between 15 and 19 in every single team sheet metric. 15 in KPI, 15 in strength of record, 17 in net, 18 in Sagarin, 19 BPI, 19 Kenpom. This is—I don't know if there's another team that has a uh, a smaller window between all six than Ohio State. Good team, probably. You know, we'll see what does in the Big Ten tournament. Like I could, if you told me Ohio State, we look up and Holtman's got him in the Big Ten championship game. I'm not going to be surprised whatsoever. And maybe that bumps them from the five seed. It appears to be to like the four line or whatever. I don't know, but I do think that this team uh, is a. Unlike last season, it got knocked out as a two. I get that. They lose to Oral Roberts. They they get knocked out right away. Uh, quick boot in the bracket. I don't think that this group is going to be that. Uh, I'd, I'd say it's going to be fairly safe to avoid the upset in the in the first round, so long as everyone is healthy, obviously. And, again, Branham is just, you know, he's a little bit on a rocket at the moment here. We'll see if the, that can continue. Um, safe out of the first game. And then a viable threat to uh, to make a deep run. Not even unthinkable that they could make a Final Four, but I think that would more be a a, a process if they look up and their elite eight opponent is a lower seeded team than maybe we thought they would have been. But no, they've been good, and that was I thought that was actually it was an important win for for Bucky uh, for the Buckeyes to get because they had not been proving it as of late against the better competition in the Big Ten for the most part. They get that, and uh, they're not going to win the league. They're not going to finish top of the league ledger, but they're going to set themselves up well. I can't see them being worse personally. I don't think they're going to lose bad games going forward. I can't see Ohio State being worse than a five seed when we get to selection Sunday. To your point about them avoiding an upset uh, in the NCAA tournament, they only have two losses outside of quadrant one, um, no losses outside of the first two quadrants. So they really haven't, you know, a lot of teams have taken bad losses. A lot of good teams have taken bad losses this season. Ohio State really hasn't lost to any terrible teams. Um, I'm with you. Is this a round of 32 team or a sweet 16 team or an elite eight team? You know, uh, we'll see. But um, I, I'd be surprised um, if they're eliminated in the round of 64 again. We'll get to the Naismith watch list presented by Jersey Mike's next. But first, a word from our sponsors. There is a divergence in time. Welcome to the road not taken. Earth. 2024, a single change is vastly more dangerous than you realize. None of our tomorrows are guaranteed. You must bring us home. You have one final frontier yet to come.
The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, Deadleg, the Naismith Watch List presented by Jersey Mike's. I've got my top three candidates updated, and there is a change. Let's hear yours first, though. Uh, man, I like, I'm going to give you my top three is not enough though. Like, how many players are you looking at total for this under real consideration? Oh, I think you could go above five, less than 10, but there's uh there are more players that could reasonably win national player of the year this deep into the season than I was gonna say than any season I can remember, but I don't have a great memory. No, that's but, but, the answer. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I don't. If you're in the chat and you and something comes to mind, tell us. When's the last time that we had this many players viably competing for National Player of the Year? Like, all right, here's my my three is one is Oscar Shibway, two is Johnny Davis, three is EJ Liddell. That those are my top three in order right now, but. It's not like, and Sheboy's been at my one spot for a while, so it's, it hasn't actually interchanged, but it, it's it, he has not entirely separated himself from Davis, Liddell, Abaji, Chet Holmgren. I'll get to him in a second when we talk uh, games this weekend. Holmgren was insane on Thursday night. Kofi Coburn, Drew Timmy is still not out of it. Jaden Ivey, Walker Kessler. I'm at 10 there. Uh, did I mention Keegan Murray? That's 10. I'm at 10, and I f- still feel like there might be one or two more. But anyway, Sheboy, Davis, Liddell, in that order is my three as of, Friday morning. Right now, I think it's got to be Oscar Shibwe. I mean, he just keeps doing stuff to, or or not. He keeps putting up numbers in wins that make it illogical to drop him. You know, he's now averaging 16.4 points, 15.3 rebounds, 15.3 rebounds for a team that I've got seventh in the top 25 and one. And in the past week, got 21 and 14 in the win over Alabama, 17 and 16 in a win over LSU. He has 10 straight double-doubles. The numbers are just wild. And so, yeah, my number one, I think most people's number one right now, uh, remains Oscar Shibuya at Kentucky. Um, My number two is Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga. The freshman's averaging 14.7 points, 9.8 rebounds, 3.6 blocks per game for a team that, you know, is number one in all the computers, number one in the top 25 and one, AP poll, coaches poll, would be the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament right now. Um, in the past week, 
Got 10 points, 10 rebounds, five blocks, and one over Santa Clara. And then last night, 21 points, 15 rebounds, six blocks, and a win over San Francisco. And then my number three is Keegan Murray at Iowa. Got 23, he's averaging 23 and a half points, 8.5 rebounds for a team that I now have in the top 25 and one in the past week. Got 24 points, five rebounds, and a win over Ohio State. 28 points, five rebounds, and a win over Michigan State. And if I were to take it out to five, it would be two more Big Ten players. Mm -hmm. Johnny Davis at Wisconsin, EJ Liddell at Ohio State. We talked about this earlier in the season, and it's held up nicely. Um, the Big Ten's not the best league in the country. I think that's the Big 12. But the Big Ten's got more awesome college basketball players than any other league in the country. It does. Yes, it, it absolutely does. And we now this isn't a surprise. If you're if you've recently subscribed, started watching, listening, well, welcome and well, we're happy to have you. But when we talked in the preseason, October into early November, this was when we built our first team, second team, third team All American list. When we comprised our top 101 players, as we do every October for CBSSports.com, uh, it was loaded in the top 25 to 30 with Big Ten players. That league was more represented, uh, and there were guys that aren't currently in the top 10 that I still would have top 20 example, trace Jackson Davis, another really, really awesome player. So yeah, the big 10 has the most studs and, and an, Oh, by the way, like the big 10 being really good with a lot of players, I think has helped college basketball's interest uh, to this point. Uh, I think a lot of having, having a lot of older players in the sport has actually helped college basketball's interest. And we gauge that off of certain things like, Frankly, this podcast, this is all for the listeners, and thank you so much. But, like, our podcast numbers are, are really, really good and increasing this year. And I, I don't think it's just because we have a regular season. Uh, by regular, I mean not abnormal like a year ago when COVID was really taking over. But I think the fact that you've got a lot of teams that have shown to be really, really good when they've been ranked, they've been playing well, there are older players. Um, it just seems like there's a bit more engagement overall with the sport this season. And I think having like having so many players in contention to win national player of the year, when we have to make our, you know, end of season, first, second, third team, all American lists, uh, that's going to be an awesome challenge, but splitting between who's on first and second team, I think is going to be tough. And then having to have that cut line of guys that aren't going to make the third team, I think is also going to be tough there. So yeah, it's been, uh, it's been fantastic to this point. And I still think, I mean, at this point, like I read you the 10 before for me, Sheboy Davis, Liddell, Coburn, Abaji, Holmgren, Murray, Timmy, Ivy, Kessler, those 10. I don't even have Jabari Smith on that list and he could get there. What if we look up and Duke has not lost by the end of the ACC tournament? Like Paulo Bancaro going to be there. He's not on. He's not on. Right. We We still have a lot of guys there. I still think there's a possibility just as an example, I had to, I have to do this for, for this uh, Jersey Mike's sponsorship for CBS Social every Thursday as well. And so when I updated my list on Thursday morning, Chad Holmgren hadn't done what he, he did on Thursday night against San Francisco. I had Chad Holmgren seventh on my list. I mean, Chad Holmgren at seven. What if Purdue is a one seed and Jaden Ivey starts averaging 27 points over the next seven games? I just think that there are players... At, as low, like Walker Kessler is going to lead the nation in blocks. Now him and Jabari are probably going to cancel each other out, but I think I have, I have Ivy as low as nine. I think someone as low as him is still conceivably potentially able to win national player of the year. And we're at February 25th. This never happens. Really good. Thing here's, here's the thing at, at Auburn, Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler could cancel each other out at Gonzaga Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren could cancel each other out. Here's a prediction for you. You know, like most of these national player of the year awards come out when 
we wait till the we wait till just before the final four. But yeah. most of the awards come out earlier than that. A lot of them come out. The voting ends in the regular season. There's one I believe where it's after the conference tournament. I like the way we do it. We don't let the final four dictate our vote, but we do say the NCAA tournament should have some sort of say in how we assemble these All American teams, Player of the Year, Coach of the Year. So we vote after the Elite Eight and before the Final Four begins. Here's a prediction for you. Um, of all the mainstream national player of the year awards, there will not be a consensus. One guy will win some of them. Another guy will win some of them. And how about this? And then it will become clear as the NCAA tournament unfolds that somebody else was the biggest player in college basketball this season. Because somebody, it's going to be Jaden Ivey. It's going to be Paulo Bencaro. There will be somebody who goes on a wild NCAA tournament run that was a legitimate national player of the year candidate. Like somebody's name we have mentioned in the past three minutes, but they will not be national player of the year, but they'll go on a run in the NCAA tournament. And that's the person will vote national player of the year. Remember the Kimball Walker year? Kimball Walker was not national player of the year that season. But who was the biggest player in college basketball season? Jimmer. Was it Jimmer? I don't remember who it was. I just remember, I just remember Kimball Walker was not the national player of the year. But if you would have waited and voted after the Big East tournament, after the NCAA tournament, Kimball Walker would have been everybody's national player of the year. The voting just happened before he did most of the stuff that he did. I got you right now here. That is, yeah, 2010-2011, Jimmer Fredette, across the board, national player of the year. Yeah, there we go. Last time, by the way, so, so before we get to the weekend previews, uh, the last time we had, there are six you know, traditional national player of the year awards, which is a whole other matter, but whatever. Uh, they're the Naismith, which I vote for, Associated Press, the we only care about the Naismith on the Jersey Mike's podcast. Correct. Right? We only care about the Naismith. Naismith's uh, the only one that CBS, matters. Frankly, and the CBSSports.com National Player of the Year. Do you not care about that as well? Because I do. But there are six of them. All right, I won't name the others. There are six of them. The problem is uh, there are too many. <laughs> there should only be CBS and Naismith. Yes. And, and, there should, there, and while we're on it, too many sub shops. If you want to know the truth. Too many sub shops. Okay, there we go. There should only be a Naismith Award and a Jersey Mike's. That's it. In this world, that's what I mean. That's all we need in this world. Too many sub shots. A sub. Too many sandwich shots. Above. Um, the sub above. Sub above. All right, you want to get into uh, – do you want to get into this Final Four and one? I do, but um, as we were talking through that, it just sort of occurred to me, like, this isn't only a great national player of the year race. It's been a great college basketball season, hasn't it? Yeah, that's what I was saying. It has. It's been, like, a, it's been, a, it's been a very – rewarding season so far. And I think that's in part because of what we mentioned there, what we mentioned when we did that episode, what, two weeks ago. And I said, Parrish, I'm going to list you 20 teams. You tell me who you think can win the national championship. And you got to 10 or 11 of them. And it wasn't say like five or six. I think that is also another reason why. Uh, like you look at like the teams that matter in the sport this season. And it's, um, I don't know. They check every box. It's Gonzaga. Once again, big brand, Arizona, big brand, Kentucky, Big brand, Baylor, reigning national champ. I'm just going down Kempom right now. Kansas, big brand. Texas Tech with a first-year coach. Auburn with a star coach and maybe the number one pick in the draft. Duke in Coach K's final season. Um, Tennessee, uh, Villanova, UCLA, Purdue, Tech, just big brands. And I think it also helps that the players projected – to go one, two, three in some order in the NBA draft are on teams that are ranked in the top 10. 
Chet Holmgren at Gonzaga, Jabari Smith at Auburn, Paulo Bancaro at Duke. Sometimes we end up with like Markel Fultz on a bad team projected to go number one overall, or Ben Simmons on a bad team. Our our best NBA prospects, Johnny Davis, Jaden Ivey, the three guys I already mentioned, they're all playing for relevant teams. It just like this, this is this this season has unfolded in a pretty awesome way. It's been a fun season. You know me, by this time of the year, I'm usually like beat down and just ready for everything to be over. Um, this has been a blast. I mean, I'm still beat down and tired. Don't have I don't have a power source. I don't have a power source. Equipment. Got your lost phone my, back, but yeah, the whole deal. Yeah. Got my phone back, lost my power source. Life is difficult, man. Life is life is very challenging. But I'm enjoying the season. It's been awesome. It has been. All right. Final four and one for everyone. Don't worry. I'm a, I'm going to work in Murray State, South Dakota State love. That's coming. But first, we're going to pick G- GP's four games before we get to mine and the rest of the schedule. Nada, can we get those records, please? Dead leg, you're going off script. Oh, boy. You got, you got a script? Yes, there going, is a script, sir. You're going off script, oh. dead leg. Before we get to the final four and one. Let me ask everybody out there a question. Are your go-to game day foods feeling uninspired? Next time, skip the usual suspects and order Jersey Mike's. At Jersey Mike's, they make every sub to order with premium. Fresh sliced meat and cheesesteaks are cooked on a flat top grill. Download their app for delivery, curbside, or in-store pickup. Jersey Mike's, it's a proud sponsor of the Naismith Award and a proud maker of a sub above. above. A sub above. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Nadi, you got those records for us. Yeah, yeah oh, I, I do. I took, I'm, I'm, I'm fired up after taking the lead last Friday. GP, you and the Mets, like you're losing everything. You're losing Final Four and One games. You're losing your power cord. You went two and three again, man. I thought, again, we, we had a text in our text chat about three weeks ago. You were saying you were no longer messing around. You were going to do this right. You were going to catch up. You went, And then, then then you pulled them. Like, you pull. I, I don't know what happened here. What happened? 
You well, are first, now I lost 30 and 37. First, I lost my phone. It starts there. Everything starts with that. Yeah, but the games yeah. happened before you lost your phone. Yeah, but it's all connected, dead leg. Oh, it is. Okay. It's all connected. It's all, it's all connected. This is tough, man. For the record, Paris is 30 and 37. Yours truly is 37 and 25. That's 12 above 500. David Cobb, 10 and 3. <laughs> David Cobb and from the podcast, so I might add. David Cobb's <laughs> unbelievable. Duke fans might hate him, but he's great at picking games. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> my, 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 my. All right. What do you got for me? Game one, Saturday, 2 p.m. Eastern. Number six, Kentucky at number 18, Arkansas. Inside Al Dillard Arena. Ken Palm has a Kentucky minus three. You can watch it on CBS. That's America's most watched network. It's a network of stars. Where you got the Hogs in the top 25 and one on this Friday morning, Gary Parrish? Oh, buddy. I haven't even updated it yet. That's another thing right, I got to we get to when we're done. Where were they on Thursday then? They, they were on Thursday morning. They were 16, but they definitely moving up. They'll be inside the top 15 when we update on Friday morning yeah, because Illinois lost and um, somebody else lost last night. Was it UCLA? Did UCLA lose? I'm going to get there, but you're right. Yes, UCLA lost. You are right. Yeah. UCLA lost lost in the woods. Um, yeah, I, I have Arkansas 11th in my... In the woods. There we go. You picked up on it. Love it. There we go. Um, I had Arkansas 11th in my power rankings. How about this for the Hogs? One loss since January 8th, and the only loss is by one on the road against Alabama. Arkansas is scorching hot. Eric Musselman's team is a top 15 defense now nationally. They're coming off a win on the road uh, that was convincing Tuesday night at Florida. Previous to that, a week ago, they won a low-scoring affair at, at Bud Walton by 10 over Tennessee. We don't know if Kentucky's going to have it starting backcourt or not. If It could be a third consecutive missed game for both Severe Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington as a combo. That clearly has to impact how we evaluate this game. I'm going to blindly say one of them gets on the floor. I don't have information that suggests that, but why not? Let's just go with it. Uh, but I'm going to take Arkansas to 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 win, to win this game straight up. So you said, you said Kentucky minus three. That's what Kim Pom says, but yeah, I Kim imagine, I, yeah, I don't think it'll be that. At, uh, I don't. That's a, that's because, a good question. I will. Yeah. I no, mean, it will not be that. It shouldn't, right? I mean, especially well, no, like it, with the uncertain status of Tai Tai and Savir. Um, I, I would bet it's something like Kentucky minus one when it posts late tonight. But uh, for these purposes right now, it's it's Hogs plus three. Give me that. Give me all that cheddar, and I will uh, I will take Arkansas to cover that number for our purposes and our purposes only. Uh, this should be a wonderful game. I will be in studio for CBS Sports HQ on Saturday, all Saturday afternoon into the evening. So if you are watching this on your phone, smart TV, any kind of device. Uh, you'll see my face back in the studio again because this is uh, one of this is the second biggest game of the day as far as I'm concerned. But because it's on CBS, you know what? The biggest game. Biggest it's game. The biggest game. Biggest. What? Else? The biggest damn game of the day. Oh, by the way, I would put Arkansas on the four line right now with its resume twenty-two and six. If it beats Kentucky, it is a no doubt about it, irrefutable four seed at worst if it gets that W. I cannot wait for this one. I'm going to sit there, watch CBS. Order Jersey Mike's and then not go on HQ. No, I am going on HQ. Oh, I'm on HQ for this one post. Are you going to be on with me? Uh, I don't think I don't, so. Yeah, I think I've got, I do have HQ responsibilities tomorrow, but maybe it's not for this game. That's right. 
But I'm going to eat Jersey Mike's and think about the Naismith Award and watch CBS. Okay. JD Note also another another he's a he's a distant candidate, but you know I think he still leads the SEC in scoring, and he's one of the best defenders in the league. He's Arkansas's best player, so he's another guy to know. I had to submit a top fifteen list for another award. That how dare you? What are you doing? You should be boycotting that. I vote for the Naismith and have for years. I'll let it be known. I vote for something else. Oh gosh! But I'm gonna stop. I'm done. You better be done. I'm done with that. They're nice people. They let. They, what they Paris let is telling me. everyone is he actually votes for the Sporting News Player of the Year. It's it's an extremely huge uh, conflict of interest, but we need to they, end that. They let me. They let. They don't mind when I miss deadline. Please have this submitted by Wednesday, and then they just send me an email on Thursday. GP just wanted to remind you. So then I said, anyway, here's the point. JD Note was on my top 15 list, as he should He's be. Been, yeah. He's been terrific. Um, my favorite thing about, have you noticed this? Because uh, like severely, obviously, John Calipari meets with the media via Zoom uh, before every game. And obviously, they ask him every time. So what's the latest on Tai Tai and Savir? And are they going to be available for this game or that game? And every time he says, <laughs> it's so outrageous. Every time he says, I, I don't know because I haven't seen them yet. Yeah, as if seeing them yet know, is, is a requirement for no. John Calipari actually the the story behind the story is he pulled a U. John Calipari lost his cell phone. He's got no way of getting a hold of these guys. <laughs> Every it, it's it's hilarious. Like I haven't, and, and that's an acceptable answer. Everybody's like, "Oh, okay, we haven't seen them yet." <laughs> you don't have to see your players to know how they're doing. What are you talking about? Anyway. He as of this moment, I'm sure he hasn't seen them yet today, so has no idea whether they'll play at Bud Walton Arena. But I'm uh, Bud Walton Arena, Al Dillard <laughs> Arena. I'm taking Arkansas plus the points as well. Take it. Game two, Saturday, 4 p.m. Eastern. Number three Auburn and number 17 Tennessee inside Ramar Smith Arena. Ken Palm has it. Tennessee minus three. You can watch it on ESPN. I'll get to my pick in a second, but I do want to highlight the fact that Tennessee uh, has a, a an interesting resume. There's not a lot of bad to it whatsoever, but they've played 17 combined quad one and quad two games. That's a hefty portion. It's not the most in the country. Kansas, you know, Big 12 teams are going to play more than anyone else. Kansas and Baylor have each played 20 to this point, but 17 out of the SEC uh, is impressive. Villanova, by the way, has played 19 quad one and quad two games combined in the Big East. That's pretty impressive. But Tennessee is ninth in the net as of Friday morning. Uh, and it's even better than that in BPI. It's up to six. It's 10, 11, or 12 in all the other metrics. So Ohio State-ish, but still even a slightly wider discrepancy between worst and best overall. Tennessee is, a, I think, a sneaky good team on the level of Ohio State in terms of we know they're good. They've been ranked. They've got a quality record. You do, We haven't really put them in like the national championship contender conversation, but a defense-first unit with a lot of healthy losses. Like the losses have come Nova and Texas Tech on neutrals, and then all the other ones are on the road. Bama, LSU, Kentucky, Texas, Arkansas. All reasonable losses on their surface. They've had some bad losses in losing those games. Like, they weren't competitive against Villanova. They got absolutely mollywhopped by Kentucky earlier this season. And a week ago when they lost to Arkansas, they just didn't look that good overall. So, um, I, they're consistent, but yet at the same time, they do have games where, like, they're total stinkers. In this spot here against Auburn, I think they're going to put up a really, really good game. And the reason why I'm going to take Tennessee to win this one, to win it outright, is Auburn's past four games on the road 
have been a loss to Florida, which even if they almost stole at the end, Florida deserved to win the game. They played better for 40 minutes. Prior to that, they lose on the road in a good game against Arkansas, but it was a loss. So the two most recent Auburn games on the road were losses. Prior to that, they barely beat Georgia, barely on the road by two. Prior to that, they barely beat Missouri by one. That's the past month's worth of Auburn trips outside of its building in this conference. Tennessee rates as a top 10 team. Oh, by the way, Auburn is eighth in Ken Palm right now. Pretty close. I will take the volunteers to get this win. They are favored to do so, and I think that we'll have a pretty good game. I'm intrigued to see how fast Auburn can get this tempo going. I think Bruce Pearl is going to want to get Tennessee to really, really, really move, really kind of go. Now, that's not Tennessee's absolute MO. It's not, it's not a plotting team. It's not a quick team, but I do think that Kennedy Chandler has the capacity to be able to handle that, and Sagai Ziegler has been really, really solid in that regard as well. So if this kind of gets to be a little bit of a chaotic game, I think that favors Auburn more than it does Tennessee, but they do have the backcourt through the balls, I think, to handle that. I think this has a really good shot. Even though it's not the most anticipated game, it's clearly like a top three, top four level matchup. I actually think this game of any on Saturday has has maybe the best potential of us talking about it on the Sunday night pod as having been like a really riveting tight game maybe no team leads by more than six or seven points in this one but i'll take the vols to win at home and i will take them to cover those three points bruce pearl back in knoxville that's still a thing indeed and you 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 kind of compared tennessee to ohio state um i'm not talking style of play or anything like that but like the point i made about ohio state earlier which is that they've been good all season never really in the great conversation tennessee exact same thing tennessee has been ranked between ninth and 18th at Ken Palm every day this season. Ohio State, I mentioned, since the second game of the year, between 13th and 24th. Uh, Tennessee, between 9th and 18th. Um, you know, all losses are in quadrant one. Um, they, they just, they've never quite cracked that, ooh, this is an elite team conversation. But they've also never spiraled to a point where we got to go, what happened to Tennessee? They've just been rock solid Agreed. all season. They they've taken some not you know some lopsided losses, um, in in some of the losses they've taken, but this has been a really steady team much of the season. I'll keep this simple. Arizona lost at Thompson Bowling. Kentucky lost at Thompson Bowling. Um, I, I I I'm assuming Auburn's about to do the same thing. I'll take Tennessee and lay the points. The balls, of course, six and one in their past seven games. Game three, Saturday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Number five, Kansas at number 10, Baylor, inside the Scott Drew Center. I think he just gets to name it after himself at this point. One well, you're naming champion. it after. I don't, I don't think this is Scott's call. I think you you named it after him. But Oh, no, no, fair. no. He did. No, oh, he, did. He, te- oh. he texted me and asked me to do it. Okay. <laughs> Which is a very un-Scott Drew thing, by the way. But uh, but fair enough, fair enough. Do we have do we have an update on uh, on Baylor's uh, health situation? Like LJ Cryer, he played like he a played week and, and didn't play, and then he didn't play the past two games. Is he going to be available for this one? Obviously, there's no everyday John for the rest of the season there. So what's the status there? Baylor's just banged up. Now they get the opportunity at home. Oh, by the way, Baylor's fourth in Ken Palm right now. Fourth, they still kind of they've they've managed to hang on. They've got a, a narrow lead ahead of Kansas, which is the fifth ranked team at Ken Palm in this one. Uh, I was at this matchup. This was like the second to last game I went to before the dumbest pandemic of our lifetimes struck. Never seen one like this, man. Never. Seen Never. One like this. We had a similar like 
I feel like our our uh, audio setup was similar because I remember I remember literally podcasting with you. This was before video. I was in the Baylor locker room. They're like, "You want to use our locker room to podcast?" I was like, "Sure." So, uh, man, I can't believe it. it's been just about two years. Two years. It was, it was like two years to the day. I think like two days ago when Kansas and Baylor played in a huge, huge matchup, which sparked an all time podcast moment. Parrish, do you remember what you said? No, you have no idea. You have no. You have no I, have, I have no idea what you're talking about right you now. You said you said Kansas is gonna is gonna lose at Baylor. Yeah. And then it's never gonna lose again. That's what you said. And to I that, do I remember. Said, I do remember saying that. Yes. And to that and to that, I say I was wrong. That's right. <laughs> there you go. What happened? Kansas won at Baylor, right? Kansas won at Baylor. Uh, yes, Kansas won at Baylor, and um, oh, what's his name? Uh. Uh, Azabuki had a phenomenal showing in that game. Uh, Kansas, <laughs> Kansas won at Baylor. I just brought it up. Kansas won at Baylor. They didn't lose the rest of that season, but there was no Big Twelve. They there was no Big Twelve tournament. Uh, and then they lost the very first game of the next season when they played Gonzaga in Florida. And Gonzaga then did not lose until the last game. It would be phenomenal if Baylor had not lost at this point, but the, the trend did not continue there. This is going to be, a, I think, a pretty riveting game. The thing that intrigues me so much about the Jayhawks is that, yes, Ochai Abaji, who we mentioned before, and who I would clearly have as a first-team All-American at this point, they have been able to maintain this elite status, and yet when you look at what Obaji does and what Christian Brown do, Abaji 6'5", Brown 6'6", they can both handle, but they're both not natural point guards. They're not asked to do that. Dewan Harris is the guy who has the ball in his hands, and he's just... he's. Fine player, but he is not. I wrote this in the capsule for KU on the power rankings. Like Kansas right now projects as a number one seed, and it doesn't have someone who you would say is like among the 30 to 35 best point guards in the sport. I think that's an incredible, I mean, it just speaks to Bill Self's coaching ability. Maybe Harris finds a real groove here and steps up. Because if he does, oh, by the way, like if he starts to really grow into a high level point guard in the next three weeks, no guarantee of that happening. But if it does happen, like, Look out, Kansas is going to hit a whole nother level. Abaji is shooting 46% from three and 57% from inside the three-point arc. That's not even to mention that Brown comes up with big moments. McCormick is inconsistent. I totally get that. You want more out of Jalen Wilson. They haven't even had, like, Remy Martin was the preseason Big 12 player of the year. I disagree with that at the time. And now we see how much they have not needed him overall. Remy Martin has not even played for a month at this point. I still think that Kansas, big picture, there is another tier for them to hit. But I don't think that tier's hitting on Saturday. Give me the Baylor Bears to win this game. But you know what? You said it was four, didn't you? I never said it. You interrupted me. Kim Pom has it Baylor minus four. You can watch it on ESPN. Did I re- what? What? <laughs> but I, I mentioned you, Scott Drew could name the the. You're right. You're right. You're right. That was so. That was so you of me. Sorry about I, that. It's I all. I didn't. I didn't even mind it at all. Uh, by the way, just. Set the record. Scott Drew did not ask me to name the building after himself. Don't ruin it. And it used to be the Huck Center, Huck the Dog Center. That's right. I kind of like that about that. Yeah, yeah, let's name it. Let's let's redo that. Game three, Saturday, eight p.m. Eastern. Number five, Kansas at number ten, Baylor inside the Huck the Dog Center. Kim Pom has that Baylor minus four. You can watch it on ESPN. I don't believe this will be be Baylor minus four. Like two minutes before tip, would you agree? It's not going to be Baylor's. Not going to be given four. Agree? No. Yeah, I agree. That's going to be a lower number. It'll be beta minus two. 
Yeah, like I that. think that's right. But for our purposes here, so I will I will take Baylor to win the game, but Kansas will be inside the number, so I'll take Kansas. Let me be clear, Kansas to cover in this spot. But then it almost feels like a weird one where if Baylor wins this one by seven or eight, um, I guess it wouldn't surprise me because I have been an adamant supporter of not selling my Baylor stock. I'm I'm refused to do it. I still think that this team is capable, good enough to win a national championship if healthy. Yes, even without everyday John, would not be my first, second, third, or fourth team, but I would put it on that list overall. I think they're going to get a narrow win on Saturday. So frustrating. I learned, took the time to learn how to say Jonathan Chamwachachawa, and now yeah. I got hurt out for the year. What a waste of time that was. No one talks about how his painful season-ending injury has affected your life, and that's a damn shame. Like, why are people talking about that? Why aren't more people talking about that? I don't know. But that's why they listen to this podcast. Listen, if you're listening to this pod on a Friday afternoon, even on a Saturday morning, Let's say you're doing some chores before the before the games get going. You listen to the pod. You got the earbuds in. Maybe your second, third pair. I know it's not your fifth pair of pods. No one can be GP. But then you, you go up to your wife and you say, you know, Jonathan Chamochopchua, he had a season-ending injury. And, and honey, you know what people don't talk about? Gary Parrish just learned to say this dude's name correctly like three weeks ago. How I know. That? I learned a year ago. I've known for a year how to say Jonathan Chamwachachawa. Oh, so you got at least other. What are we? What are we bitching about? You've had a year to use it. I thought you just. I thought this just happened. Get out of here. No, Graham Ek just happened. Graham Ek, baby. <laughs> Wyoming got some love. Norlander jinx strikes again. I give Wyoming all this love in the court report. Promptly lose to Colorado State. But in all seriousness, Wyoming, like when Wyoming's in the bracket. Think twice before you automatically think that team's losing this first game. That's all I got to say. Taze Moore just happened. I've been on my Jonathan Chamachachua. I've been on my Chamachachua. And now he's hurt. You mentioned Bill Self's ability yeah. to coach. Think about it. I, I looked this up the other day. Um, it, it appear, we'll see what happens tomorrow. But it appears Kansas is on its way to another Big 12 title. Right. And... Bill Self has 15 Big 12 regular season titles right now. So if he gets another one at 16, that's the way addition works. Mike Krzyzewski, widely regarded as the greatest college basketball coach of all time, has 12 ACC titles. Bill Self has 15 Big 12 titles. Mike got to Duke 24 seasons before Bill Self got to Kansas. And Bill Self at this moment has three more league titles than him. That's incredible. It's a joke. It's a joke. Maybe Bill Self's the greatest college basketball coach of all time. I think, you know, take a peek behind the curtain for our listeners here. You know, the plan is whenever Duke's season ends, we'll have something. I think Paris is going to write something about, at least the plan is for Paris to write a column on Mike Krzyzewski's legacy. I think we pivot. <laughs> we pivot. When Duke gets knocked out of the NCAA tournament, within minutes of that happening, the the column is not Mike Krzyzewski will never have another one. It's get the hell out of here, Coach K. Bill Self is actually the best ever. <laughs> Marcus, like we had this conference call yesterday. He was like, can we have a Coach K column, you know, that's ready to go whenever Duke loses, if Duke loses in the tournament? I'm like, sure. What if I file it? But it's a Bill Self column. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a Bill Self column. What if Jonathan Chamwachachua is the best coach in the history of college basketball? 
Amazing. Somebody made this in the uh, made this point in the comments. This actually would be true. If Rick Pitino never left college basketball, he would be the greatest college basketball coach of all time. Likely the case. Yes, very, very likely. It's, if he never leaves Kentucky or whatever, yeah, yeah. Rolling wins three in a row, probably. No, not he was coach. He was coaching ninety seven, so he never wins three in a row. Strike that. Strike that. Reverse it. But yeah, you're probably right about that. Who you got in this game? I mean, it'd be Mike Krzyzewski, Rick Pitino, Bill Self, Jonathan Chamuchachua, two-year-old Tony Hinkle. Of course. I mean, I mean, that's a list. I'm taking Kansas plus the points. Got to do you it. Can't, you can't call somebody the greatest coach of all time and then pick against them all in the same five minutes. Not in the same week you lost your phone and your power source. Game four, Saturday, 10 p.m. Eastern. Number one, Gonzaga. At number 23, St. Mary's. Inside the... Omar Samham Pavilion. Kim Palm has it. Gonzaga minus seven. You can watch it on ESPN. Can you do me a favor? Because I genuinely enjoyed that. Can you just say those three words again? Omar Samham Pavilion. Omar Samham. Samham. Omar Samham Pavilion. Jonathan Chamwachachua. Samham? Is that like Rumham? Samham. Samhan. It's Sam Han? It's Sam Han. Yes. Damn it. I remembered it as Sam Ham. No. It's Sam Han? That's disappointing. S-A-M-H-A-N. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I, I had yes. I remembered it as Sam Ham. Like no. if you like if you made a, a like if you made a Sam Vicini sandwich. <laughs> it would be a Sam Ham which <laughs> a Sam Ham. Do you which. have in your notes right now? S-A-M-H-A-M. Is that what it reads? Yes, that's what I remember. Oh, my gosh. That's the way I remember. Got to stop drinking and preparing for the final four and one. (laughs) Jonathan Chamwachachawa. I actually heard Sam Han, and I like the way that you said it, so I wanted to hear you say it again. And I didn't, I I, I, I swear to God, I didn't hear you say it the wrong way the first time. So that's just incredible. Um. This is the regular season finale, of course, for Gonzaga. It got past San Francisco, 89-73 on Thursday night. Uh, Khalil Shabazz got his beak destroyed um, inadvertently, I guess, by Andrew Nemhard. He left the game. San Francisco started out hot. They played well, and then, you know, Gonzaga went Gonzaga. What what can you do? What can you say? Uh, The Dons... Would have been a lock, in my opinion, had they won that game. Not there yet. 22-8 and eight overall, 9-6 and six in the WCC. Uh, metrics are still pretty healthy for San Francisco. I'll get to Gonzaga in just a second. San Francisco is 29th in the net right now, 25th at Ken Palm. The other ones are not as good. Um, so we'll see. That was a, an opportunity on their home floor that they couldn't take advantage of. Chet Holmgren's just insane. Uh, he had 21 points, 15 boards, none of them offensive. 21 points, 15 boards, 6 blocks, and three steals, and you've mentioned uh, ESPN researcher Jared Burson before. He had a stat. I don't have it up, but he like Chet Holmgren did that, and it's like he's like the only dude to do it in the past fourteen years, or whatever. Like this has now become a thing with Chet Holmgren. He just puts up these kind of performances that are uh, a bit of a joke, man. I mean, it's 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 wild uh, how. Gonzaga has just, they have all these options and they have someone in Holmgren who, not that they just didn't have him last year, but defensively, they did not have this. So sometimes I watch Gonzaga and I'm like, am I going to just talk myself into pick them to win the title again? I might, I might, I just might do it. I don't know. We'll see. Um, St. Mary's is single digits in this one, huh? 
Plus seven. It is a roadie here. Back-to-back roadies for Gonzaga. Gonzaga has played, will have played only six road games this season. Tell me the last time a team that was like in the NCAA tournament only had to play six road games. Obviously, that's COVID-affected. They lost two league games on the road. They didn't play any non-conference road games. When these teams met uh, back on February 12th, Gonzaga won at home 74-58. St. Mary's comfortably projects as an NCAA tournament team. It's 23-6. and six. It has a top-10 defense in the country. Um, if you have not yet seen them, Tommy Cousy. Were you on Tommy Cousy? Did you think it was Tommy Coos? Taze Moore. Exactly. Tommy Cousy, if you've not seen him play, he is a 46% three-point shooter. St. Mary's can shoot it from deep, and they're probably going to have to do that. They are... Um, they do have a decent amount of size as well. They got size. They've got good experience. They're not overly deep. I can't do it though. I can't. I can't talk myself into St. Mary's being inside this number. Parish. I have. I'll have Gonzaga to win and to cover the seven. Doing and in doing so, uh, maintain their number one overall seed status. Get to twenty five and two. And and oh by the way. Gonzaga winning here to get to 25 and two, I think it makes them a lock for a one seed. They, I don't think it, it would matter who they lost to in the big, uh, in the WCC tournament, they could still lose and they're still going to be a one line, uh, a one seed no matter what. So that's, what's on the line as far as I'm concerned for the Zags on Saturday. That's for sure. Um, because as you know, you got to have four number one seeds. There's no way yeah. four teams can jump them. Four teams can't jump them. Um, if they're, uh, you know, if they take one more loss, after beating after after winning at St. Mary's, they lose West Coast Conference semifinals or title game because they only have to play two games in their tournament, don't they? <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah, they get the they get the buy into the semis, and so then they, right. I think they would play the winner of San Fran BYU. I think that's going to be the four or five. I think so. Yeah, yeah. that res, that resume is still going to be top four in the country. Um, if Gonzaga wins uh, Saturday night, they will be a one seed. Um, obviously, at this point, on track to be the number one overall seed. You mentioned Andrew Nimhard real quick. Younger brother took a tough injury the other night. I, 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 I got a script. That's Sorry. my N one. Okay, we'll get to it. We'll get to it in a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna lay the points with Gonzaga. I, I, I mean, nobody they beat they beat they beat everybody's brains in. I'm gonna assume they'll do the same thing again. Gonzaga minus seven. That's the play. Did we just pick every game exactly the same? Yeah, we did. That's great. But, but approach it intellectually in an honest way, and I think that's the right move here. I was dishonest the entire time. Okay. You know what time it is. Oh, great. Here comes the music. It's my favorite part. People gonna, love this. I'm going to even dial it down a little for you this week, okay? Well, right thanks. Then. All right. You want to do a little of that Kanye again over this beat? I'm lost in the Are you watching that documentary on Netflix? I haven't. I, that, that will be a after the season. I'll get there. It's, it's going to be an after the season deal. I've heard it's good. I'll get there. It's uh, I know people are so out on him because he's all over the place and harassing his estranged wife's boyfriend on social media. Like he's wild. He's too wild. But this documentary is awesome. It, it just like there's this one interview. He gets nominated for 10 Grammys, like when for the college dropout. And, uh, like the whole, the whole, they started, they started making a documentary about him before he was anything because they thought he, this guy thought right. he was going to be something and just said, I gotta, I gotta get all this. So he gets nominated for 10 Grammys after the college dropout and he's doing some interview and the woman goes, if I would have told you a year ago 
that you would be nominated for 10 Grammys. Would you have believed me? And he pauses for a second. He's like, well, that's not really how this happened. I've been telling people for a year that this is going to happen and nobody would believe me. And that's just sort of his mindset that has uh, carried him to wherever he is right now. It's great. I can't recommend it enough. It's called Genius on Netflix. Dig it. Uh, before I tell you about a few more games for the weekend, uh, just a couple things to know. Oregon beat UCLA. Four bid Pac-12 has life. Oregon has a sweep of the Bruins this season. I kicked the Ducks out of the NCAA tournament picture, I think, permanently a week ago. Might have to walk that back, but they got a 68-63 win. There was no Johnny Juzang in the second half. He hurt his ankle. He left. That was clearly a factor. UCLA was horrendous from three-point range. Only had two, uh, two makes there. So uh, that is damaging to UCLA's overall profile um but it's more it's more significant for oregon to have gotten that win so that was a, a result to note from thursday also murray state destroys belmont killed okay i know that broke your heart and, well i just as i had tweeted like going in like that was in the office here i got uh, i got the bigger tv the smaller tv i do an ipad setup might go split screen belmont murray state was was the was the big tv game and then like 15 minutes in i had to switch it up because Matt McMahon is an incredible coach, and he has got a team. Do you agree with what I had sent out on Thursday, though? If Murray State does not lose again this season, it's a two-loss team right now. It jumped to 24th in Ken Palm last night. It's 27-2 and two overall. Team sheet metrics right now. 22nd in the net. 23rd in BPI. 23rd in strength of record. Okay? If they don't lose again and... All or almost all of their games are double-digit wins. Six seed at the worst. They're going. If you broke it down by, by, by fours, four, eight, twelve, sixteen, they will have a seed that would reflect six seed level. Why shouldn't Murray State, as a two-loss team that is killing everyone, hasn't lost since? By the way, playing Auburn. Okay. Why shouldn't that team be a six seed? Agree or disagree? I agree. I mean, they have they have the incredible record. They have. Two quadrant one wins. That's that's not as many as you know a good power conference team is going to have, but it's it's two. They, you know, the one horrific loss they have came back in November. Um, you know, they've got they've got the computer numbers to yeah, I, yeah. I think they're going to be in that six seed range if they do not lose again. I, I think they can be a yeah the six seed. You know, it's a top twenty four team yes. in the country. I think they can do that. Yes. Yeah, it wouldn't even it wouldn't if you tell me they'd win every single game the rest of the way by at least 10 points, no matter what, it wouldn't stun me if the committee went with a five. But we'll see they, the difference between Murray State this season and say Loyola Chicago last season is the resume metrics for Loyola Chicago were not as uh, as kind to the Ramblers as they are with Murray this season. And Murray has consistently done this. Uh, perhaps the committee will also have learned a little bit of its lesson by underseeding the Ramblers last season when they played against Illinois. And then they obviously made the Sweet 16. So we'll see on that. Mac McMahon, uh, I don't know for sure if he's going to get a bigger job, but he's going to be on the short list. And I'm not saying Louisville has to hire him, but if you're Louisville, just real quick on this too, and then we'll move on. Like, how are you not at least considering Matt McMahon on your short list to take your job? I know it's, it's from Murray State to Louisville is a big jump. I get all that. But he's in your state. He's been there for a long time. The track record has been proven. I, I just don't uh, – I don't know why you, you can't – particularly when you look at the lineage of, of former Murray State coaches, where they've gone. Even Steve Prohm had viable success at Iowa State before everything completely fell apart in the COVID year. Mick Cronin was there. Billy Kennedy was there. Mark Godfrey was there. They have had – they have a proven – 
track record of coaches being there, going on to bigger jobs, and finding success. Tell me why Matt McMahon shouldn't be a top three or four name for the Louisville job. Because I'll tell you this. Maybe that's changing after the win on Thursday, but that buzz isn't out there. Not to say that he's not under any kind of consideration whatsoever, but I think he is as viable as just about any candidate that could be considered that hasn't already proven it at the power conference level. The buzz is mostly connected. Would you agree with this to Kenny Payne? I would agree with that. Yes. Not to say like if Kenny Payne gets the job, I think that's going to be awesome and create an amazing plot line between Kentucky and Louisville. I, I think that would be fantastic. But McMahon, he's just done so much at this point. I don't know. It, it, it deserves to at least be discussion. No, I, I don't disagree with that. Like if I were running the Louisville search and it was actually a search, like I haven't already decided it's going to be Kenny Payne. Right. Um, Matt McMahon would want to be, would be somebody I would want to talk to. Sure. Great. Other mid-major that's absolutely rolling is South Dakota State. We will give Eric Henderson's team some love because guess what? These guys have not lost since December 15th. December 15th. They're going to go into March without a loss uh, in the year 2022 because they're going to play at UMKC on Saturday to wrap up the season. They're 17-0 in the Summit League. They beat Oral Roberts in overtime, 106-102 on Thursday night. And amazingly... In doing so, first of all, I didn't. Re- I watched the the highlights after they covered in freak in a freakish fashion. They cover after all that, so maybe a little bit of a bad beat situation. Then Luke Apple goes for forty one off the bench. Things I don't know, but I would love to know. Last time we had a dude go for forty plus off the bench in a D one men's college game, off the bench to score forty. What? I asked uh, Eric Henderson on Thursday night um, how this happened. He said, "Listen, he's a really good player. Sometimes he just gets himself into foul trouble, and we can't keep him on the floor." That was not the case on Thursday. South Dakota State gets the win. Uh, Eric Henderson could be another coach that's up for a bigger job. We'll see. He is follows, obviously, TJ Otzelberger or Iowa State Connections. He's obviously now at Iowa State. Jackrabbits. Nate Walters court forever, of course. And they are a viable, viable team to uh, to pick off a winner or two in the NCAA tournament. They're the best three-point shooting team, not just this season. They have a higher three-point accuracy than any team in the past 20 years in men's D1. We'll see if they can keep that streak up. But those were Thursday night results I wanted to get to. As for the other games on Saturday, I'll be really quick on this before we get to our N1. Noon Eastern, Purdue at Michigan State. We'll see if Sparty can get off the schneid here because uh, Tom Izzo is getting plenty frustrated. Three Eastern, Virginia Tech at Miami. Hurricanes win that game. They're going to really help their NCAA tournament case. They're in the field right now. Get it done against a Virginia Tech team that's been improved in the past month. 3.30 Eastern on Fox. Seton Hall plays Xavier. These are a couple of really bumpy Big East teams at the moment. Um, Loser's going to be slumping heading into the final week of the regular season. Winner could really, I mean, the fact that Xavier did not win. You were in studio. Let's just, uh, you know, I'll save it. Creighton Providence is going to be the game. So we'll talk about that. Xavier lost it. They should have had it, and then they lost it, then they had it, then they lost it, then they had it, and they lost it against Providence. Travis Steele's team is uh, in need of a win, and they're at, they're, at, uh, they're at home there. Wisconsin-Rutgers, 6 o'clock on Saturday. Rutgers' is last gasp at trying to maintain an NCAA tournament profile. They beat Wisconsin on the road earlier this season. If they could sweep the Badgers, okay, maybe we have something there. Maybe. Texas Tech is at TCU at 6 o'clock. TCU projects as an NCAA tournament team. Uh, the Red Raiders, as far as I'm concerned, are now playing to try and uh, play and stay on the two line. If they get another win on the road in the Big 12, that would help them in a significant way. And then USC will play Oregon at 10 o'clock on Saturday. Good game. USC, I, I, I called it early. I know no shot you were, you were locked into this, but it was, it was tight late. I was like, I can't do this. I got to get, get to bed. But USC on Thursday night, needed two overtimes to get past Oregon State. Did you see that? I don't even know if you saw that or if you even knew that. But they, I, they, I, I'm, I'm aware. 
Um, I'm aware. Oregon State on America's Most Watched Network this weekend. Are they really? really Who are they are. playing? UCLA. That's right. There we go. Traveling partners. Yeah, should have known that. Um, so USC dodged. They dodged what would have been bad. Oregon State, by the way, I had this in uh, the court report this week because I was fascinated. Oregon State right now, Beaver Fever, where are you at? Right now, Oregon State is 3-23. They are by far the worst team to follow up an Elite Eight run. There's never been a team with a record this bad the season after making the Elite Eight. Can you name the previous record holder? It was in the court report. Was it the... Um, okay, I'm going to... The Stan Heath team? No. Uh, and I th- I think they were sub five... Uh, no, they weren't sub 500. I listed every sub 500 team. I think they were just over 500. But I did look them up. But it was not the 2002 into 03 Kent State team. Power conference. I don't know the answer. All right. Um, uh, Elite Eight. Elite Eight. Yeah, I don't know if you'll get it. They used to be, like, consistent, and they haven't been relevant in men's college basketball for over a decade. Kind of close to where yeah. I live. Kentucky. What do, you, do I live in Tennessee? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Am I you? Boston College is the answer. Boston College, until this season, was the only team, since the field expanded in 85, was the only team to follow up an Elite Eight run by not getting to double digits the next season. It won nine. Again, Oregon State has won three. This continues to be, frankly, inexplicable. Um, only other game that uh, I'll give you a heads up on for Sunday, on CBS, Illinois at Michigan. And with that, man, it's great to have you back on the pod, buddy. We are going 70 minutes here. Creighton. Awesome. How great. The and one game on Saturday. Now you still got to call it. You got to call that hotel. You got a lot of that. power cord source. You got a lot of stuff going on. Dead leg. You have no idea. Saturday, mm-hmm. 830 Eastern Fox Sports one. Creighton on Chris Dunn court at Providence. The, the Friars are phenomenal. I watched you in studio, of course earlier in the week when this game was on CBS Sports Network. We've talked about it in the pod, so we don't need to wax too long on this. Like, how many more times Providence has to do this to convince you that this team... It, I'm going to use modern, cliched online lingo. They built different, man. They know how to win these games. There is something to this. They I've been saying this for this. weeks. I've been saying it for weeks. I've talked about it. I've written about it. They're 10 and one in games decided by five or fewer points. They're built for this stuff. Triple overtime victory. How about this? Poor Colorado State Wyoming fans. We got a doubleheader on Wednesday night. We didn't even do a halftime for Colorado State Wyoming because Xavier Providence was still on. That's the first time I think that's ever happened to me in studio where our where one game goes so long like when when Providence Xavier ended, there were like six minutes left in Wyoming, Colorado State. It was, it was wild. Roofers leaking, had water all over the court. I know. Looked like they looked like they're about to do a Don to two listening party. <laughs> and looked yeah, like and then gonna, yeah. Looked like they were gonna do a Don to two listening party at the dunk. Phenomenal. And then it goes triple overtime. Jared Bynum, twenty seven off the bench. 
Providence can win the regular season in the Big East for the first time in program history if it wins this game. Creighton will not have its best player. As GP mentioned before, Ryan Nemhard is done for the season. Hurt his wrist against St. John's, a three-point win on Wednesday. Hurt it. Destroyed it. All right. Well, I was just, you know. Did you see him mouth immediately to somebody? I broke it. I said, I, I don't, I knew he's, he was clearly communicating. Like he was just one of those where the guy knows. He just knows. Well, I, like when I was a kid, I broke my I broke left. Mine. If you're watching on YouTube, you can kind of see the scar playing, playing ball. I got, I have a, I have a, I have a pin in my wrist. Broke it playing hoops. So I was, uh, my younger brother, maybe like 12, 13. I was out of the bike riding stage of my life, but my, my younger brother and his friends, they were all riding bikes. And there was this big hill, like you go down and then boom, you got a big hill and they were all scared to do it. And I said, you little sissies, I'll do it. I'll show you how to do it. So I grabbed my brother's bike. I take off down this hill going full speed. And as I was approaching this hill, I realized, woo, this is, I should not have done this. I go to hit the brakes. I was going to bail out. No brakes. Nobody oh, told me there was no brakes. So then it's like, with the benefit of hindsight, I should have just jumped off the bike. But I, I in that moment, I said, oh, I'm just going to try to make this jump. I got so high up in the air, I came over my handlebars and landed on the handlebars. Boom. And immediately knew, just like Ryan Nimhard, that I was in bad shape. These two bones right here, they broke completely in half and flipped over. Oh, my gosh. Rushed to the hospital. They had to reset the bones. They put me under anesthesia. I woke up in the middle of it. They didn't give me enough anesthesia. I woke up in the middle of it. My parents could hear me screaming. They were in the waiting room. They could hear me screaming while these people were trying to reset the bones while I was wide awake. That's horrendous. And then I lost my power source. I don't think you understand all the challenges I've faced in this life. Can you remember the last time that you like actually passed out from pain? Has that ever happened to you? Kidney stones. Kidney stones pass out. I break. So I'm playing pickup ball on a Friday night with my brothers on a whim. I, I fall and I break. I, I, I had a, um, a hairline fracture in this arm in seventh grade. Still remember tripping over a kid named Tristan Leggett's leg, tripped over his leg, hairline fracture. And then this one, I'm like 20 years old. It was actually, how about the Creighton connection? So I, I break the bone in this wrist. Um, and th- w- when I had to have surgery that day, it's, uh, it's, the, it's the Creighton win in the turn. Is this 0-2? This has got to be 0-2. This is the Creighton win. The famous shot was the dude. He wore 23. He did it in Chicago. He did it in Jordan's gym. Who Michael was Jordan. it? Michael Jordan wore 23. Oh, who's yes, the player? They beat Florida. Terrell MJ. Taylor. Was it Terrell Taylor? I think it's Terrell Taylor. Jonathan Chamwachachawa. They beat Florida in that 5-12 game. It's 2002. I had surgery that morning. I I begged for them to give me the surgery as early as they possibly could because I didn't want to miss the NCAA tournament. So they knock me out. I come to. I'm like barely with it. And I'm there for maybe three minutes before I see this. I'm in a hospital bed watching this dude create an all-time March Madness moment. And I'm like, anyone else? Anyone else watching this? Anyone that was, he just won the game. Wild. But before all that happened, I go to this doctor the next morning. I break my wrist. I don't think, I don't, I didn't know that I'd broken the wrist. It's in major, major pain. 
the next morning I wake up at like 7 a.m. in the just dripping sweat. Like I feel horrendous. My mom knows a, a doctor. Uh, so I, I go down <clears throat> to this doctor. He's feeling around. He touches one part. Completely oh, no. pass out. Like I pass out. It's so painful. I pass out. I come to like two minutes later. Brutal. Life's tough, man. Hope Ryan Nimar recovers okay. That was tough to see. My larger. Yeah, you got to finish this. I'm dying. <laughs> you okay? What's wrong with you? You all right? I'm just congested. <laughs> oh, boy. My larger point in telling that story is that when you break your wrist badly, you know it quickly. I knew it. Ryan Nimhart knew it. I'm recovered, and I hope he does. Providence. Providence about to win a Big East regular season title for the first time in school history, Deadlift. Yeah. Yeah. Providence, they're going to win. Man, I got no water left. <laughs> I got water really left. What happened to you? What happened to you? You know what? I, I Major congestion situation in this house right now. I was the last one to get it. Woke up with it. Not good. It also, it was warm. It was like 67 degrees two days ago, and now we got snow overnight in Connecticut. Dude, so. I walked to the studio on Wednesday, and it was beautiful. Like 66 degrees. Felt great outside. Like a beautiful day in New York City. Then I went to the airport yesterday. Freezing. That. What are we doing? I know. Give me, the give me the Friars to win. What? The weather's, the weather's, like Alabama and Rutgers. You never know what you're getting from them. That's you true. Know? Yeah. So one day the weather's getting a quad one win. Next day it's taking a quad three loss. What are we doing? Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Willie Sublet. Legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again. Listen to our college basketball podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Woo. Woo. And now we got a war. What in the world? I know. God. Didn't we have enough going on? Didn't we have enough going on? We did. Ah. You're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Five stars. Write a nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. Don't ever let them tell you otherwise. Don't let them shame you. We shame them. We shame them. We think they're weird. More of us than there are of them. If you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, please do that. Just type in Ion College Basketball in the search engine. Click the subscribe button. Smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. And we're going to talk to you again on Sunday evening. Till then, take care. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. 
reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.